Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Very tender these days. Um, what's happening in Israel and Palestine, among many other reasons. One of our Sangha members, their neighbor was elderly neighbor was beaten and hospitalized. I think he was 94 years old. He was walking home, being called a kike and filthy Jew. And he's been feeling that. Feeling my heart rather broken open by what's happening in Israel and Palestine. And so I've been turning to the teachings to for a refuge and a way of being with in a different kind of way. The community on Stormfront, this uh, white supremacist website that I practice with has been very rallied around this whole situation. Confirming their belief that Jews are really the fundamental problem. And that this is one of the reasons. And at the same time, what the Israeli government is doing is heartbreaking and devastating. The loss of life. And I turn to this one poem that was written in 1269 by Chang Yang Ho where he says, as if gathered together, the peaks of the ranges, as if raging the waves on these banks, winding along these mountains, and the rivers, the road to Tongue Pass. I look west and hesitant. I lament here where opposing armies 
have passed through. Palaces of countless, countless rulers, now but dust. Empires rise and people suffer, and empires fall and people suffer. No beginning and no end. But always people who think that they're right. And as far as I know, that is what causes the suffering. As far as I know. I know that's definitely true for me. When I think that I'm right, I suffer and those around me suffer. We cling to that. I was thinking about the 27th and the 28th successors of Shakyamuni Buddha, Bodhidharma. And his student. Bodhidharma, and this is from the Mumon Khan. Bodhidharma was sat there facing the wall, and the second ancestor stood in the snow and then cut off his arm and said, Your disciple's mind has no peace. I beg you, please put it to rest. And Bodhidharma said, okay, bring me your mind and I will put it to rest. And the second ancestor said, I've searched for my mind, but I can't find it. Bodhidharma said, see, I put it to rest. I've always loved this koan because it's so gruesome. It's ugly. And asks of us to look at our perseverance for practice. That to practice the non-dual is not easy. Not easy. Not easy. To not take a side. And suffering or no suffering. And the desire to really practice. Cutting off his arm, standing in the snow. How many of you 
would stand in the snow to receive the teaching. To climb up this big mountain, make enormous effort. Would I do that? Would you? What would you sacrifice? As he sacrificed his arm, what would you, do you sacrifice for practice? With these situations in the world, it makes me think about how healing the practice is if we make the sacrifice towards that. Lisa has been for me. Your disciple's mind has no peace as of yet. Please put it to rest. I have no illusion that my mind is at rest. And yet there is peace. How do you put it to rest? How do you put your sureness to rest? Imagine if more people in the world put their sureness to rest. Yesterday, I had this strange window of two hours. So I went to Madison Square Park to lay on the ground. In the midst of Maya Lin's ghost forest there. These dead trees that she has planted. And piping in are the sounds of animals that used to live there. It's very haunting and beautiful. Bring me your mind, Bodhidharma says, and I will put it to rest. To welcoming even what is dead. What is no more? And the beautiful turning in this koan, this teaching is, I have searched for my mind, but I can't find it. What would it be to really search for your mind? For this part of you that thinks it knows, thinks it's a solid 
clear thing. Search for it and I can't find it. Bodhidharma said it. I've completely put it to rest for you. How did he do that? To me, the only way a teacher does that is just pointing the way. Look for your mind. Wakey, the guy who cut off his arm and stood in the snow, was just a person committed. According to the book of Transmitting the Light, Wakey and Bodhidharma were climbing after this story, were climbing this mountain called Few Houses Peak, which just meant there were not a lot of houses. And Bodhidharma said, where are we going? Wakey said, please go right ahead. That's it. Bodhidharma retorted, if you go right ahead, you cannot move a step. And upon hearing these words, Bodhidharma, sorry, Wakey, woke up. Bodhidharma was testing his student, saying, like, where are we going? Where, where are we? Where's all this going? Where are you going? Ohio. The way you play okay, this little Zen answer said, oh, just go straight ahead. That's it. Bodhidharma says, if you go right ahead, you cannot move a step. If you're just going, you're not actually where you are. It's like in our slow walking meditation I love so much. It's not about arriving anymore. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you in your sureness? What you think you know? Maybe you have opinions about what you think is right and wrong about what's happening in the world. 
you sure? What are you sure about? And at what cost? Later, as Bodhidharma was getting old, he had a number of students that he liked very much and were very devoted to him. And he wanted to give transmission to one of them. And so he asked each of his students, which I've always loved this story, can each of you say something that demonstrates your understanding? So one of the things that drives many students who work on koans is express something. Many people say, express, what does that mean? Dao Fu, one of his students stepped forward and said, it is not bound by words and phrases, nor is it separate from words and phrases. This is the function of the Tao. What are you done with that? You've attained my skin. The nuns, Dong Chi, one of his students, stepped up and said, it's like a glorious glimpse of the realm of the Buddha, seen once, and it doesn't need to be seen again. Bodhidharma said, oh, gotten my flesh. A little deeper. Dao Yu said, the four elements are all empty. The five skandhas are without actual existence. Not a single dharma can be grasped. Bodhidharma said, okay, you've attained my bones. Finally, Wakey came forth and just bowed deeply and stood up. And Bodhidharma said, ah, you've attained my marrow. This thread in our school that values how we actually function, not how we explain things. I think about all the horrors happening in the world and all the beauty happening in the world all at the same time.
How do you hold all that? I'm thinking about Ismail Hania, who's the head of Hamas. Learning more about him. He was born on January 29th, 1962, in a refugee camp. And his parents became refugees after their homes were destroyed. So this lineage of refugees. It's so interesting to think about how our lineage and how what happened to our parents and our parents before them and how it impacts how we are. I'm thinking about Netanyahu, who was the first prime minister of Israel, who was actually born in Israel. And as a young person fought in the Yom Kippur War. People who know violence. Both of them know what it is to be people who I would imagine other groups don't want anymore. And I was as I was laying in that ghost forest, I was speaking with a friend of mine and friend of Choda and I was from Saudi Arabia and one who's from Lebanon and one. Palestinian, and we were just talking together how painful this time is. What would it be like if we just took the backward step? Get closer to what we actually value. And how do we use this time of great disturbance to take that backward step? As Marie House says, to turn the light to where it isn't.
in the last 10 days, there have been 40,000 posts on Twitter that said that Hitler was right. So think about what is it like to try to get merit from our practice, trying to get something. You know, the famous story of Bodhidharma, of course, and the emperor when he came to China was this, the emperor was like, you know, what do I get? I've done some good stuff. This idea that there's this transaction. If I do stuff, I get stuff. And to me, that's inherent in conflict because we don't feel like we're getting what we think we deserve. I just wonder if there's another way. Dana Paramita is what I've been reflecting on. Where is their generosity in my own heart, in my own mind? How am I being generous about how I see others and myself? How am I getting curious about who frightens me or who I think is right and who I think is wrong? How do I actually practice dana paramita, the central paramita of our Mahayana school and also the Theravada school? How do we fully practice generosity in this time? And for me, it's been a lot about pausing and reflecting slowing down and getting curious. Mm. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day about that. And they're like, well, how can you get curious when anti-Semitism is on the rise again? I don't feel like there's a choice for me. How do you turn the light to where it is? How can you get curious about who you think is wrong? Even if you feel like they're attacking, maybe even you. Not easy. Not easy. Some of you know, you know, one of my great, you know, Dharma, maybe hero is a good put, but it's Mahagosananda. In the midst of the killing fields, in the midst, in, in a camp himself, cultivating love. 
even for the people who were slaughtering all the people that he knew. Gathering people together to practice when they were explicitly told that they would be killed for practicing. And they did it anyway. And it always moves me that, you know, that in this camp, he said, we have to gather and practice loving attention. Generosity. So literally at risk of losing their lives, they got together and he came on the platform in the morning and started chanting that hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone is the world healed. This is the ancient and eternal law. And first it was him, and then he was joined by another. And within 20 minutes, there were thousands of people in this camp chanting. And the guards were so moved that they just allowed it. What do you do in the face of horror, the face of fear, the face of the unknown? And how do we give each other the courage to dig into curiosity and generosity and love? To me, I don't know anything more valuable than that treasure of Buddha and Dharma and Sangha. So happy to be with all of you in the midst of all of us. Thank you.